All right, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. When I preached from this passage, oh, 10, 15 years ago, we had some visitors, and they were ladies, and they said, we didn't, they, they were invited by someone, and they said, we didn't like what your pastor preached. Now, I'm just telling you what God says, all right? And this is what God says about the home. I believe that Satan is really attacking today. He's attacking our country. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize that. You just watch the news for five minutes and you realize we are losing freedoms. It's hard to believe this is the same America that uh, we lived in five years ago. Another area that Satan's really attacking is the church. And I talked to Eric Getch, who was our evangelist just about a month ago, and he said, Pastor Hassel, he said, it's like this all over the country. He said, the tennis is way down and pastors are quitting and uh, there's a lot of division in churches. And uh, he said, even my home church in Arizona, we're going through the same thing. But I believe Satan's really attacking the home. We need to realize in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, Satan realizes his time is short. And because he realizes his time is short, he's really attacking the home. Now, the coronavirus did not help. In fact, domestic violence is skyrocketed. Divorce has skyrocketed. See, all of a sudden, the husband had to come home. And uh, before it was, uh, okay, you go your direction, I'll go my direction. All of a sudden, you had husband, wife, and kids in the same house. And there was more time for disagreements, and there was more time for conflict. I'm thankful that God did not have a plan B because of coronavirus. He has one plan for marriage. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 this morning. Now, I realize that marriage is not easy. I was talking to a young couple recently, and the guy said, marriage is hard. <laughs> and it doesn't matter if you've been married for 50 years or five months. Marriage is hard. Do you realize you have enough selfishness and sinfulness and pride in you to destroy your relationship? And it's by the grace of God that he's given us the Spirit of God. I want you to understand as I go through this text this morning, we need to realize it's verse 18 that is the key to having a right relationship. The Bible says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul then tells us what it means to be filled with the Spirit in some of the uh, Examples or characteristics of someone that's filled with the Spirit. Then he goes into marriage. Now you cannot be this kind of person without being filled with the Spirit of God. And I realized this morning that you marry opposites. It's a good thing. And it's not so that you can compete against each other, so you can complete one another. And uh, if you're a people person, you like to have uh, people around and you like to stay after the service and talk to people, your spouse is probably the one that waits in the car. And I've had many spouses come in and say, where's my 
Where's so-and-so? I said, they're over in the corner talking. That's what I thought. I'm always waiting for them. Now, if you're a spender, you probably married someone that's a saver. You're opposite. And that's not a bad thing. It would be bad if you married someone just like you. That'd be boring. Now, I mentioned Doug Richards last week, and um, Doug is one that's, he has to take a fan with him everywhere. I mean, it was winter. We went to this conference. He had a fan. I said, Doug, there's snow on the ground. I know I need the fan for the noise to go to sleep. Now, how many here, you need noise at night to go to sleep? All right. All right. You're right with God. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I, I have to have noise. So I listen to sermons, and in five minutes, I'm out. It's a good thing I don't listen to my own sermons. I'd be out in two minutes, all right? But my wife, she doesn't like noise at all. And you marry opposites. How many here, uh, you like it hot? Would you raise your hand? Okay, that's my wife. And I'm one that likes it cold. I remember growing up, and man, it was there was snow outside. We'd turn the heat down, and more blankets, the better it is. And if you could see your breath at night, that was great. That was awesome. But folks, you marry opposites. It's not a bad thing. God designed that for a reason. But if you don't, if you're not careful, you're going to compete against one another. I think today that some people feel like if they have a big wedding, expensive wedding, you can spend a lot of money on a wedding. I heard recently about a couple that spent $65,000 on their wedding and their marriage lasted three months. Or they think if I get a certain pastor, then my marriage will last. Folks, it will last when you do it God's way. God doesn't have a plan B, he has plan A. And for those who aren't married yet, I would take note because you want to do it right. And those who have been married or you've been, you've been married for a while, take notes because I believe that uh, the answer uh, to having a good marriage is found in the word of God. One man said this, I've been married for five years. He said, my wife and I, uh, we hardly have any disagreements because before we got married, we decided that she would make all the small decisions. And I'd make all the big decisions. He said, funny that after five years, we've never had a big decision. <laughs> In Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians 5, verse 22, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your husband, own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Verse 29, For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth it, nourisheth and cherisheth, even as the Lord 
the church. Then verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I'm going to read verse 33 again, and I want you to uh, underline verse 33. We talked about underlining in our Bibles in Sunday school. But verse 33 tells us what the man wants. Verse 33 tells us what the woman wants. The Bible says in verse 33, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. So the wife wants love, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. The husband wants respect. When I deal with couples throughout the United States, what happens if there's a, this battle? The wife says, well, I'm not getting the love I want. It's a spiral downwards. When I get the love I want, then I'll show the respect I, des- I, I need to show. And there's that pull and push for showing love and respect. And folks, just do right. Your job is to show respect if you're a wife. Your job is to show love if you're a husband. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I'm so thankful this morning that you're a great God. And Lord, that uh, you know exactly what we need. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd work in our hearts. And Lord, I'm so thankful that marriage is a good thing. You tell us in Genesis 1.31 that it is a great thing. Father, guide my mind and my lips. Help me to say all those things that you want to be said. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm sure all of us realize that life is short. Life is not a dress rehearsal. Years ago, when my kids were at home, years ago, uh, they liked video games like most kids do. And there was no way I could not compete against them. They were good. They were a lot better than I was. My favorite button was the reset button. You know, I push that reset button and I'd get another person or I'd get another uh, tank or I'd get another uh, uh, ship or whatever. But folks, life, there is no reset button. This is not a dress rehearsal. You don't just practice life and then you uh, uh, get another chance at it. No, life is short. Life happens one time to us. But folks, I want you to understand what God has to say about marriage. Not what I have to say, not what you have to say, not what the so-called experts have to say, but what God has to say. We do right not to have a good marriage. We do right because it pleases God. I'm afraid sometimes our motive is to do right and then I'll have a good marriage. And when the marriage isn't good, we stop doing right. We do right because it honors God. First of all, in verse 22, I want you to look at God's plan. The plan for marriage. This is God's idea, not mine. All right. It seems like he would start with the man first. Because some of you are thinking, boy, if I had a godly husband, I would be a lot better wife. Well, maybe on purpose. I know on purpose God starts with the wife. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Then that's talking about every single Christian wife. 
Wife that just got married. Wives have been married for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. It's talking to, to every Christian wife. You say, now, Pastor, why did, does God tell the wife to submit? You need to understand what the word submit means. It means to rank under. And, and I think sometimes we have this idea of submit, submission that is totally foreign from the Bible. To understand what submission is, it's when the wife ducks so that God can hit her husband. And submission is when I, when the wife says, honey, uh, you're responsible to God and you need to do what's right. And if you get out of the way, because most of the time the woman wants to control the husband. It's in every lady. I mean, the lady that has the most influence on a husband is the wife. Now, what is submission? Submission is to rank under. Now, submission isn't that I never uh, disagree with my husband because, men, we would be in trouble. All right. Uh, it'd be wise to listen to your wife. Uh, sometimes the wife is a lot smarter than the husband. And how many times has the wife said, I wouldn't do that and saved you a lot of trouble? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, part of the curse God says, unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire should be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now part of the curse, God placed in the woman a desire to control her husband. If there is no leader of the home, the wife will step up to the plate. But what does submission mean? It doesn't mean that the wife is inferior or a second-class citizen. It doesn't mean that the wife is a slave and uh, the husband has his little bell and he rings his bell and says, get me a drink. It doesn't mean that. What God is saying is there ought to be one leader in the home. One head. Aren't you thankful that God created us the way that we are? I, I think it'd be crazy to have an arm sticking out of my chest now sometimes i wish i had a third arm all right uh, another one to grab things and uh but god didn't create us that way it'd be really bad if he gave us two heads i mean what if one head wanted to go that way and the other head wanted to go that way we'd be in trouble and so god is saying in the marriage there ought to be one person in charge now what is uh what is um Submission means the wife is not a slave. It doesn't mean that the wife cannot think for herself. She can think for herself. The Bible, what it's the Bible saying is submission means to rank under. Your job, ladies, is to make your husband a success. To make him a success. To make him a, a godly in God's eyes. Now, the Bible says, as unto the Lord. Now, some of you ladies are thinking this morning, you know what, Pastor? If my husband would be the spiritual leader at home, if my husband would have a desire to go to church, if my husband would do something at home, it just seems like when he gets home, he just checks out. And he's done for the day. I would be submissive. Now, the Bible saying, unto the Lord. Not because you have a great husband, 
Not because he's a loving leader. Not because he meets all the needs you have. Uh, not because he's a great father. But you submit unto the Lord. What Paul is saying is, you submit because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. Now usually this topic is not very popular with ladies, all right? They say, well, man, you don't understand the, the, the husband I have. God did when he wrote this. And God is saying if the home is going to work out, the lady has to be submissive. Secondly, we see the position. For the husband is the head of the wife. Now, men, before you say, I say, I told you, honey. There is no scripture in the Bible where the Bible tells the husband to make his wife submit. You shouldn't even bring it up. What Paul is saying for the husband is the head of the wife. What God is saying is, husband, you are responsible for your home. Remember when Eve ate of the forbidden, from the forbidden tree? Remember God didn't say, Eve, where art thou? God said to Adam, Adam, where art thou? And God will hold you accountable. God will hold you accountable for how the kids act. You are the leader of the home. You are the pastor of the home. You are the head. And I think back at my life and I wonder, how many times did I lead my family in the wrong direction instead of the right direction? For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church and he's the savior of the body. That's what God is saying is, husband, you're responsible. Whether your wife knows more about the Bible than you do, or whether she was saved and she grew up in a Christian home and you just got saved recently, it doesn't matter if she went to a Bible college or maybe she grew up in a pastor's home. It doesn't matter. You are the spiritual head. You are the spiritual leader. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the Savior of the body. Now, what does that mean? It means you are responsible. And I realized this morning that uh, emotional abuse is rampant and it could be in the church. Someone asked me recently, Pastor, is emotional abuse the same as, on the same level as physical abuse? And, and you may, as a husband, say, Well, I, I don't abuse my wife. <laughs> I don't touch her. But folks, what about emotional abuse? I'm going, to meet, I'm going to mention some things that happens in a relationship when there's emotional abuse. And there's a difference between always and occasionally and before the wife's go, oh, I knew it. My husband did that five years ago. Okay. Uh, there's a difference between always and occasionally. Emotional abuse is when the husband blames the wife for all the problems in the relationship. It's always her fault. If you, weren't more, if you were more submissive, then uh, uh, we'd have a good relationship. And everything is your fault. Folks, that's emotional abuse. It takes two people to tango. The wife is told who she can have as her friends. And a lot of times this is built on a lack of trust, a lack of love. 
I don't want you to have this person for your friend. And they kind of choose and pick the friends that their wife can have. That's emotional abuse. The wife is criticized for her appearance. Now, I saw on the internet this uh, pastor, uh, boy, he had a lot to talk, okay? And he was cutting down women and saying they should look like Barbie. And I'm like, man, look in the mirror, sir. But a wife is constantly criticized for her appearance. That's emotional abuse because the man's not happy. I found this out. When you're happy in God, you're happy with your spouse. Another thing, the wife is screamed at. The wife must constantly let her husband know where she is. It's a lack of trust, emotional abuse. If you're dating someone and they've got that kind of control on you, they don't love you, they love themselves. The husband keeps the wife in the dark concerning finances. One one thing that's hard for couples to understand, it's no longer your bill and my bill. It's our bill. It's not your problem and my problem. It's our problem. And when a husband hides the finances from his wife, usually what happens is because he has a secret bank account and he doesn't want his wife to find out. Or what happened recently, this couple, they found out, the wife found out that they were $30,000 in debt. And the husband was trying to keep it from the wife. Folks, there shouldn't be any secrets. That's emotional abuse. The husband ignores his wife. That's emotional abuse. Now I realize that there, in this size of group, there's some people that climb up and there's some people that glow up, blow up. But folks, this is someone that ignores their wife completely. I heard recently about a couple and uh, during the pandemic virus, um, the husband ignored his wife for three months, did not talk to her. That ought not be. He has a tight control of how she spends her money. You have $15. Don't go over. Don't spend $15.10. Folks, that's emotional abuse. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 says, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Same way that Jesus Christ submits to God the Father, same way that the husband or the wife needs to submit to her husband. And I think many times we're not giving the husband a chance to uh, uh, rule the family and be in control of the family. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, For the Adam was first formed, then Eve. Ephesians 1, 22, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, submission is God's way of function and order in the home. I didn't come up with marriage, the idea of marriage. God did. It's God's idea. And God says, if it's going to work in the year 2021, you need to be the leader men spiritually, spiritually. You need to lead your wife in the area of devotions. 
You need to lead your wife in the area of, of disciplining the kids, in the area of finances. If your wife's smarter at, at doing uh, the balancing the checkbook, let her do it. But you need to be in control of that. And then we see not only the plan, we see the position, but we see the pattern. Now I'm thankful that Paul says this because I've had people throughout the years say, you know, Pastor, I, I wish I had a marriage like so-and-so in the church. And I'm like, okay, you don't want a marriage like so-and-so in the church. We all have problems. We're all far from what we ought to be. But Paul said our marriage should be like Christ and the church. It's a testimony. Linda Marsh has a great testimony of how he's given glory to God. But folks, marriages that work in the year 2021 People scratch their heads. They're like, wow, how in the world can that work? Because there's a God in heaven. And the only way that you can have a marriage that worked is to be filled with the Spirit of God. The pattern, verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. The Bible doesn't say that uh, you have to submit, ladies, to every man, just your husband. And what it's doing is your husband's in charge. Your husband's responsible before God Almighty. And I've found out throughout the years that when the husband is not in control and there's two leaders in the home, the kids come out rebellious. Because they have learned, well, if mom doesn't have to listen to dad, why should we have to listen to dad? And there's a breakdown in the home. Jesus Christ has to have center stage in every marriage. Every marriage should be about Christ. See, it's not about what you want. And it's not about what your spouse wants. And that's usually what happens. You know, I'm not happy because I'm not getting what I want. And then she says, I'm not happy because I'm not getting what I want. It's not about your happiness. It's about your holiness. It's about Jesus Christ. Because this doesn't make sense, God's order of the home, without the Holy Spirit. And so the pattern is Jesus Christ. He has to be the center of every home. Verse 25 says, husbands, love your wives. Now, I've never had anybody come into my office, a man, and say, you know, pastor, I love my wife too much. I've never had that happen, all right? And all of us men, we would understand that we need to be more loving towards our spouse. God's love for us is unconditional. You're here this morning because God loves you. And if you're saved, you're saved because God loves you. And you're going to heaven because God loves you. His love is unconditional. His love is sacrificial. Jesus went to the cross for us because he loves us. His love is a love of service. If men could just understand this this morning, with God's help, I need to be more loving. It doesn't matter what my wife says about me. It doesn't matter if she's not submissive. It doesn't matter if she doesn't, she's not a good cook or a good house cleaner. I just need to love her because God commands me to love her. That he might, verse 26, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. I mean, let me ask you, are you being the spiritual leader to your wife? 
Are you taking the word of God? You say, I don't like the way she is. What's your job to teach her the word of God? She worries too much. What's your job to take the word of God and to go over verses on worry? Well, I don't like the fact that she spends too much money. Well, then talk about a budget. We can't talk about a budget. We'll fight. Well, talk about a budget without fighting. Your job is to make her more like the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such things, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. I love that. God says, if you love your wife, you really love yourself. Because you treat your husband or you treat your wife like a queen and she'll treat you like a king. Because she's the responder. So you love her. Now think about ways that you can love your wife. In verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So women, when you leave here this morning, show respect. And husbands, show love. And that's why at Valentine's Day, you see all these cards, and it doesn't say, I like you. It says, I love you. It's so what do you do? You go out and you buy a card and some roses, and you give it to your wife, and she wants to hear it. She wants to hear that she is loved by you. And what is amazing is that your wife, the day you asked her to marry you, of all the men in the world, she has decided to live with you. Now you think about it. Are you easy to live with? Probably not. But your wife has decided to give up her freedoms to live with you. Wives, it's your responsibility to show respect to your husband. People that travel on ships especially sailors, there's one thing they really dread. A fire on board. Now think about that. If your house catches on fire and the smoke alarm goes off, you can run outside. Where do you run to when uh, the ship's on fire? I read about some ships that caught on fire and, and a lot of people died. There was just a fire that was uh, caused by electrical problem in a ship in, uh, on the West Coast. It was undocked. The ship was destroyed. Folks, in marriage, that little fire can destroy the relationship. It might be bitterness. It might be anger. It might be disappointment. Remember this. You're both on the same team. Your marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. And I realized this morning that we can't just look at one another and say, well, you have a good marriage just by looking at one another because I understand this, that on the way to church, maybe you had a fight. And you just plant that smile on your face and you uh, sit in that pew and then you get back in the car and you fight again. And it's not by what people post on Facebook. 
Because it amazes me, they put a blog up there or a post about some uh, godly saying, and I know their marriage isn't that way. And folks, it's not about uh, how you are at work. Because I'll never forget years ago when I was uh, studying biblical counseling, and this uh, man said that he counseled a man that uh, was in charge of a hundred men, and they thought he was the greatest supervisor. And this man said this, he said, I'm great at work, but I'm terrible at home. You see, the judge isn't how you are at work. And it doesn't matter how big of a truck you drive, how much weight you can bench press. Are you a godly husband? Because you will be held accountable someday. And I'll be held accountable someday. And you can say, oh, I didn't sign up for the job. The day you got married, you signed up for the job. And it's not a matter if you are ahead. You are ahead. Are you a spiritual head? You see, the real you is how you are at church. Throughout the years, I've had young people say, Pastor, if you knew my dad and mom at home, you would have a different opinion of them. And a lot of times, young people will rebel in a home where there's so much hypocrisy. Folks, remember this. God sees everything. And God desires for us to have good relationships. Marriage is not a bad idea. It's a good idea. Let's bow our heads and hearts for a word of prayer. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. How many would say, Pastor... God spoke to my heart this morning. And I realized as a husband, there are some things I need to do to show more love to my spouse. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Many, many hands. How many would say, Pastor? I was almost in tears when you're preaching because I realized my home is not what it ought to be. And the divorce word has come up many, many times. I feel like my husband, there's a lot of emotional abuse, but pastor, I need to submit unto the Lord. Please pray for me. Here's my hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Folks, I'm here not to condemn. I'm here to encourage. Marriage is hard. You can't do it without God. There's no way that a wife can be submissive without God. There's no way a husband can be loving without God. There's no way that we can pattern our relationship after God without God. How many this morning with uplifted hand would say, Pastor, I'm going to try to be submissive to the Spirit of God and I'm going to try to do my part, not because I benefit from it, not because I have a good marriage, because I want to glorify God in heaven. Here's my hand. Please pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Folks, that needs to be our motivation.